Our scripture reading today is from the prophet Isaiah, the second chapter beginning in the first verse. Would you please stand for the reading of God's holy word. The word that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instructions, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The light of peace. On this second Sunday of Advent, we hear once again words from the prophet Isaiah. Last week, it was about the light of hope. Today, about the light of peace. How the light of peace shines into the darkness of the world of Isaiah's people and how God's light of peace is still shining in our world today in the darkness of our day, in the darkness of our own lives. The light of peace. It was years ago, I was, uh, the bishop decided to move me from the church that I had started to a new appointment. And it was hard to leave but I was excited about my first Sunday at my new church. In those days, in the Louisiana conference, there was a very strict routine for the changing of appointments. Annual conference was always the first full week of June. And so you went to annual conference from Sunday night through Thursday. You went back to your church for one last Sunday, one last sermon, and then on Tuesday, every preacher moved. You couldn't go on any road in Louisiana and not pass a U-Haul being pulled by a preacher and their family trying to get to a new place. And since people lived in parsonages and things like that, it was a very strict routine. You moved out before noon so you could move into your next place afternoon. It was quite an interesting experience. And I had moved my office to the new church. I'd met just a few people, but I hadn't met the congregation. I was anxious to meet the children and the youth and the parents and grandparents. And so I was excited for that first Sunday. And the church, like most churches, had some challenges. They were struggling a little bit financially. The facilities were having some problems. There was all kinds of things going on in church, but I was young then and uh, full of positive 
energy and probably full of myself, and I thought, we're going to take care of all this, it's going to be great. Well, the, warn, uh, the uh, welcome was not quite as warm as I had hoped. In fact, at the door I stood after my first sermon, only 12 people went out that door to shake my hand, so I didn't meet many people my first day. But I did meet one, and I remember them, because this is how they introduced themselves. Hello, I want to know what you're going to do about so-and-so. I said, really? They said, yes. And I said, I just got here. I don't even know so-and-so. And they proceeded to explain with a lot of energy and a lot of anger the feud they'd been having with this other person in the church for 12 years. I guess they were living in an old western, uh, Hollywood western. The new sheriff had ridden in town and was going to take care of this problem. And they went on and on and on, and finally they said, what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, if God hadn't been able to do anything with y'all for 12 years, I doubt I'm going to have any better results. (laughs) Their pretense was they wanted to have peace with this other person they'd been feuding with. But the reality was, they just wanted to be proven right. They just wanted to know they won after all those years of feuding. We often confuse a lot of things with peace. And this passage from Isaiah makes us realize that God's light of peace is very different than the way we tend to think about peace. You see, Isaiah's people were Defeated and broken and exiled, they had been down for so long. They had visions of peace, but their visions of peace had to do with their enemy getting theirs, right? Their vision of peace had to do with being vindicated. Their vision of peace in the future that they longed for with all their heart was the chance to finally do unto others what they had done unto them. <laughs> we feel that way down, don't we? When life has been hard and we feel that we have suffered, it's easy to uh, change that idea of peace for those kinds of things. But Isaiah says, no, this is the light of God's peace. And he talked about the Temple Mount. It's only about 2,400 feet above sea level. It's not a high mountain, but Isaiah says it's going to be the highest place on earth. Think about that. All that was on the Temple Mount at that time were the ruins of a once great temple to God. But Isaiah says that's going to become the highest place on earth and all people will willingly come to the mountain. They'll come to the mountain because they want to know God. They'll come to the mountain because they want to walk in God's ways. Oh, Isaiah says God will judge, but did you catch in the reading the different way of understanding that? 
God will judge, but God will arbitrate, arbitrate between many people. Not just Isaiah's people. God's concern is for all people. In God's light of peace, we find peace not by winning and not by being vindicated or not getting the chance to change places oppressed us. No, Isaiah paints that beautiful picture and says, in God's peace, all people beat their swords into plowshares. And all people turn their spears into pruning hooks. And all the implements of war and destruction and oppression are turned into implements that tend the earth and feed the hungry. Isn't that a powerful vision of peace? It must have seemed like a pipe dream to those folks long ago in Isaiah's day. And if we're honest, it probably seems like that to us today too, doesn't it? But I believe Isaiah is saying to his people, and that God's Spirit through these words is saying to us today, that it is precisely in this kind of time we must believe in the light of peace. We can believe in peace even in a time when divisions harden and hate grows and wars rage. The great preacher William Sloan Coffin said, Peace always seems a weary way off, but to give up on peace is to give up on God. We don't want to give up on God. No matter how dark the world seems, we don't give up on peace. We hold to it tighter the harder life is. Isaiah's vision of peace is found in unity, not uniformity. All the people come. All the people beat their swords into plowshares. All the people turn their spears into pruning hooks. Not just Isaiah's people. Not just the people who look like me or think like me or have the same experiences in life as I do. Peace comes in the one unifying thing in all creation. God's love for each of us. In that we find peace. Anybody here long for peace? Peace in the world? Peace in our country? Peace in our families? Peace in our hearts? Peace. This is the season of the year that no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what may be going on in our lives, we catch again a glimpse of the light of peace. And we grab hold with both hands. In a moment, we come to this table. Among all the names of Jesus, 
One of them is the Prince of Peace. Jesus made peace with God for us by laying down His life for us. Jesus made peace with God for us by loving us so much that He would stop at nothing to make that love known. May this nurture us and nourish us today to be people who in spite of everything going on in the world can still see the light of peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.